Good morning, church. In our first lesson today, God speaks through the prophet Isaiah to a people who believe they are being faithful. Through the prophet, God warns them that their religious practices, worship, tithing, fasting, and more, do not matter if they ignore injustices. Listen now to the word of God as it comes to us from Isaiah, chapter 58, beginning in the first verse. Shout out, do not hold back. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Announce to my people their rebellion and to the house of Jacob their sins. Yet day after day they seek me and delight to know my ways, as if they were a nation that practiced righteousness and did not forsake the ordinance of their God. They ask of me righteous judgments. They delight to draw near to God. Why do we fast, but you do not see? Why humble ourselves, but you do not notice? Look, you serve your own interest on your fast day and oppress all your workers. Look, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to strike with a wicked fist. Such fasting as you do today will not make your voice heard on high. Is such the fast that I choose, a day to humble oneself? Is it to bow down the head like a bulrush and to lie in sackcloth and ashes? Will you call this a fast? a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this fast that I choose, to lose the hands of injustice, to undo the thongs of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second lesson comes to us from the Gospel of Luke, the 18th chapter, beginning with the ninth verse. Listen again to the word of God. Jesus told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and regarded others with contempt. He said, Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, was praying thus, God, I thank you that I am not like those other people, thieves, rogues, adulterers, or, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all my income. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even look up into heaven, but was beating his breast and saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his home justified rather than the other. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all who humble themselves will be exalted. And people, people were even bringing infants to Jesus so that he might touch them. And when the disciples saw it, they sternly ordered them not to do it. 
But Jesus called for them and said, let the little children come to me. Do not stop them. For it is to such that the kingdom of God belongs. Truly, I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will never enter it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Oh God, let some word that is heard today be yours, that hearing we might come into your kingdom. And all God's people said, Amen. Well, with less than a month to go before election day, as things seem like they can't get any worse politically, we're embarking on a worship series focusing on God's reign, the reminder that the mess we humans have made of this life together isn't the end of the story. God has a different vision for our world. As I said last week, scripture is full of the vision of God, that God imagines a world where justice runs down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. A world where we do justice and love kindness and walk humbly with our God. A world where neighbors and even enemies will be loved. A world where anyone seen hungry or naked or imprisoned or lonely will be fed and clothed and visited and cared for. A world, a world where mourning and crying and pain will be no more. It is crucial as people of faith that we don't give up on this hope. It is crucial that we as people of faith don't give in to the limits of the present, that we, that we keep our eyes open to the possibility of God's still more excellent way. It is crucial that we don't give in to cynicism or despair and that we open our hearts to the audacity of hope it is crucial that we don't give in to division and discord and instead open our arms to embrace the whole family of God. But how? How do we move from simply believing in God's vision to engaging in it? How do we live into this righteous vision? How do we dare to believe? How do we dare to believe that we might actually become the body of Christ in this world? 
Let's begin here. I want to begin with naming our very real desire to be faithful. None, none of us, none of us wants to contribute to the decline of the world or sabotage the healing of the nations. We try to be righteous in the best sense of the word, not to be self-righteous, but to follow God's lead, to follow God's will, to conform to God's vision. We, we try to show our love for the Lord our God, showing up for worship, spending time in prayer, contributing financially to this community. We try to love our neighbor as ourselves, showing kindness to strangers, checking in on our neighbors, trying as best we can to love our enemies as Jesus taught. We do everything we can to be responsible citizens, reliable workers, responsible wage earners. We try to be loyal friends and loving family members. And we try to support this community of Christ, spending time in meetings, reaching out to the homebound, contributing financially. But as hard as we try, as hard as we try, sometimes we get it really wrong about what it is God wants. And that's the warning of our two scripture lessons, isn't it? The Pharisee, the Pharisee was trying to be righteous. He fasted twice a week. He gave to his community a tenth of his income. He behaved in responsible ways, not like thieves or rogues or adulterers or even like the tax collector. But he was not the one deemed to be righteous, was he? And in our first lesson, God warned all those who day after day try to seek after him and delight to know his ways as if they were a nation that practiced righteousness, which they weren't. God knew that even when they were keeping the Sabbath, they were serving their own interests and oppressing all of their workers. God knew that even when they fasted, they kept quarreling and fighting. Yes, fasting and tithing, Sabbath and prayer, worship and study all matter. But if we presume, if we presume that that's all God wants from us, then we will have missed the point. This is the fast that God chooses to loose the bonds of injustice, to undo the thongs of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free. So how? 
how do we keep ourselves from empty attempts at faithfulness? How do we really focus on God's priorities of justice? How do we really fulfill the way of God? How do we really seek the will of God? How do we not just stop with our usual and customary ways? Well, next week in worship, Matt is going to be speaking very clearly about God's priorities and ours, which I look forward to very much. But for now, let me start with this. This may seem odd, but according to scripture, according to scripture, the righteousness that God desires the righteousness that God desires begins with our honesty about our own failures. When we're self-righteous, when we look to our own goodness, when we're convinced that we're the ones who are right and those other people are disgusting, that is precisely when we're most vulnerable to missing God's priorities. And the opposite is also true. When we're open to being honest about our failures, when we acknowledge our own sin and vulnerability, that's when we're likeliest to get it about God's true desires. In our gospel lesson, the tax collector, the tax collector who robbed people for his own wealth, the tax collector standing far off wouldn't even dare to look up to heaven. Instead, beating his breast, he prayed, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus pointed to him as the one who went home justified. It's only when we come to God with humility, like children who don't pretend to somehow have earned their place or deserved others' love, that we can begin to appreciate that we don't create our own righteousness. We can't. Or, or as Isaiah reminded us, the fast God chooses isn't taking a day to humble ourselves. The fast God chooses is a lifetime of humbling ourselves a lifetime of recognizing our utter dependence on God, a lifetime of, of seeing how far our broken world is from the vision that God desires, a lifetime of owning our own complicity in the impression of others, a lifetime of believing that the world doesn't have to be this way. That's where it begins. The work of Black Lives Matter, the work of Black Lives Matter since the murder of George Floyd has been an awakening for so many of us. We're starting to see, really see, the entrenched inequities for those who are people of color. 
And for those of us who are white, we're beginning to grasp the price of our passivity, the cost of our blindness, and yes, the penalty of our own participation, even if we did not know it. We have so far to go, and I pray that we don't lose heart. And there's so much more, isn't there? In this season of unprecedented wildfires, we're starting, we're starting to see just how vulnerable creation really is, how decimating the impact of climate change will be. In the season of COVID-19, we're starting to see the vast divide in access to health care, food security, housing, education, and more. And in these days leading up to the election, we are starting to see how fragile our democracy really is, how tenuous the thread of truth, how frail our unity our decency, our love for neighbor, how frail it really is. At times like this, it may feel impossible to imagine another way, but this is the core of our faith. God's light is brighter than our darkest fear. God's love is stronger than our worst failure. And our participation in God's vision, it can begin right here, right now, in this very moment of humility and truth. In just a moment, we're going to join in a hymn that captures this hope. Written in 1958, O God of Every Nation could have been written today. Allow me to offer these words as our closing prayer. And then I invite you to join wholeheartedly in our hymn and wholeheartedly in the work before us until, until God's vision is fulfilled. Will you pray with me? Oh God of every nation, of every race and land. Redeem the whole creation with your almighty hand where hate and fear divide us and bitter threats are hurled. In love and mercy guide us and heal, heal our strife-torn world. Amen.